Welcome to Don't IEP Alone, the only podcast dedicated to helping parents navigate the IEP process and hosted by a special education advocate. Your host has been attending IEP meetings for over a decade and has helped thousands of parents go from an IEP rookie to an IEP all-star. Be prepared to learn tips that will be a total game changer for you as a parent advocate and most importantly, your child's outcomes. Partnered with the award-winning Lock a Day in Our Shoes, you'll be confident, knowledgeable, and actually looking forward to your next IEP meeting. Don't IEP alone. Get ready. Here's your host, from suburban Philadelphia, Lisa Leitner. Hi, and welcome. This is Lisa Leitner with Don't IEP Alone and A Day in Our Shoes, and thanks for tuning in to this podcast. Um, As I've been promising you for many moons, um, I think this has dragged on since at least October, but I've been promising that I've been reaching out to other advocates and other parents to chat with on the podcast and just get different points of view. And those interviews are actually starting to happen now, which is exciting. Today I have with me um, a mom and a self-taught advocate. Uh, Her name is Patricia and she's from Central Florida. So Patricia, why don't you say hello? Hi, everyone. Hi. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and how you started becoming an advocate? Well, it all started with my oldest son. He is eight years old. So, uh, he has autism, and he is nonverbal. Kindergarten opened up a lot of um, things for me. There's a lot of things that I had no idea was, what was going on. Um, I decided to just dive in, reach out to my local resources. They helped me tremendously. And since then, I have been helping other parents get involved with their child's education and just to realize that there's so much out there that a school administration isn't telling them. Um, it took it took some time for me to get known around the area, but I have people from surrounding counties even contacting me to help. Um, and that's kind of where it went from there. Great. I, you know, one thing I hear from parents and and you likely do too, is that, um, you know, we know that the, the IEP process is, is overwhelming and it's this large, like beast of a thing that has so many different layers and components and tangents to it. Um, but one thing I found is that there actually are a lot of resources out there. If you're willing to take the initiative or you do take the initiative and you start digging, you do find, you can find information. So do you want to tell us a little bit about some of the resources that helped you? Absolutely. There, there are so many resources. And that's the thing I tell parents. You have to do the work. No one's going to do the work for you. One of our great resources down here is FND, which is Family Networks on Disabilities. That's who I reached out to first. And they basically help our parents become advocates for our children. Uh, They give you the resources. They have webinars. They have um, seminars that we can attend. um, And that really helps set the the foundation for me. And that's a lot of the the information I give to parents. We have USF Card. They um, are also a great resource to, to families with the education system. And again... They're not going to do the work for you. It, it is a lot. It is emotional. 
and you have to leave your emotions at the door as soon as you, you get to your IEP meeting because we're, we're talking business. This is your child. And if you're not willing to fight for them as a mom, as a dad, nobody else is going to step in and do that. And that's where I, I have, I encourage our parents, you know, you can do this. I can help you, but you have to do the work for, uh, for your child. Uh, you are definitely a girl after my own heart. And I just, you know, I always say like, we can't, what is it? You can't choose the cards you've been dealt, only how you play the hand. Um, yeah, because we don't, I don't, I mean, I would, if I could flip a switch and not have to ever read or do or any, do anything IEP for the rest of my life, if I could flip a switch and do that, I would do that in a heartbeat. But these are the cards that we've been dealt. So I'm just going to do it to the best of my ability. And um, yeah, no one's going to do it for you. And I don't, I, I get that it's time consuming and I get that it's, um, it's not always comfortable being outside, you know, you're outside your comfort zone and it can be exhausting constantly being on the learning curve. But again, it's just, this is what I was dealt. So mm -hmm. you can't, I don't know. I get stuck between, um, one, I went to a training one time last in 2018 and, and our facilitator said then that you have to respect where people are at in their journey and not judge, uh -huh. Uh -huh. which I try really hard to do. But then I actually listened, I just, just did a webinar on last Tuesday and that facilitator or that speaker said that, you know, the time for excuses is over and that there's no more, I didn't know. Um, and that, you know, that's kind of getting old and that there's no excuse anymore to say, well, I didn't know because the knowledge is out there. So I don't know. I get torn between the two as far as respecting where people are at. But at the same time, I get very frustrated because there is so much out there if you just look. There is so much out there. And, you know, I have given information to parents who have done their homework and done their research and have become amazing advocates for their child just simply for me giving them that information. And then there's the other parents that I've given the information. I said, it's all here for you. If you have questions, let me know. I can help pinpoint some things. And they just, they, they fall through the cracks and they just let the wave kind of take them out. And it's, it's upsetting. But again, I have to control my emotions because my emotions and my, you know, my fight I have to use for my child. Um, to fuel, to fuel what I have to get done for him. But it's true, you know, I, 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 I've had to leave that judgment at the door with, with other parents, but I'm always available. I let them know, you can call me, you can text me, we can meet, you know, during school hours, and I will help you. Um, and it's that parent support that is so important, because I remember when I got that diagnosis, um, I was completely, you know, in the dark, nobody to turn to. And now uh, I want to become our parent liaison for our school, for our incoming families. This is the IEP process. You know, it's going to be tough. You know, you have complete strangers telling you things about your child that are going to get you into your core. We, we've, got, we've got to come up with a plan. Right. And, um, you know, they, they've forbidden me from doing a lot of that stuff, which is just mind-boggling. But, again... People find me from word of mouth, and I, I'm ready to light the fire with these parents, but let's, let's get the work going, and um, it's just it's such a passion of mine, um, because there's going to be other children 
like my child that are going to come along and we're going to get, we're going to set the stage for it. Right. Yeah. I truly believe that when we raise the bar for one child that we do raise the bar for all of them. Um, we do. Yeah, we do. So, all right. So, um, some of the resources you talked about, is that Florida's parent training center? Because um, one thing that I find a lot of parents don't know is every, every state does have a parent training center. Yes, that is. That's, um, FNB. And we, we're in different areas. Um, we have our North Florida, we have our Central Florida, and we have our, uh, our South Florida. Um, and that can be found at FNBUSA.org. Okay. And it'll, it'll show you what location would be best for you. Okay, great. Um, I also actually have on my blog, I have a list of all... Every state, parents don't understand that every state has what is known as a protection and advocacy group for disabilities. It's called your PNA group. I have a list of them on the site. And every state also then has a parent training center for just IEP issues and IDEA and things like that. And like you said, they offer in-person trainings. They offer webinars. Um, they tend to just have a whole lot of resources on the website just for you to read, even right. if it's not, you know, spoken. Um, okay. But these are, they're just tremendous resources. And I know for ours, um, a lot of times that's just like the first place I go to and, you know, I search the keyword that I'm looking for as far as timeline and thing like that, things like that, um, to get the answers that I, that I need. Absolutely. And again, this information, I have presented it to school, and I have said, hey, let's build a kit for our parents. You know, we can give this to them. And they have turned me down time and time again. So I'm out there, you know, in the morning or at pickup, and I say, hey, do you, do you need information? Or for me to get anywhere, I've got information with me. What do you need? Um, and it's so important because even our Florida disability uh, rights, Nobody knows about them. Right. They, they can advocate for you, whether it's in school, uh, housing, so many things that they can help you with. And because they don't want informed parents, you know, things get swept under the rug. Parents say, well, I guess this is the only way. And it's not the only way. Right. Uh, and, and that's what I try and let them know. You do not have to take their answer as final. So... Right. Um, yeah, I, I think I would consider, I'll, I'll be ready to die and I'll consider my job done when I have every parent just writing the parent concerns letter. I think if I could get that, because um, parents don't even, you know, that's kind of one of the most basic things as far as submitting parent concerns. And they're like, oh, I can do that? Um, yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> um, it's just, go ahead. surprised at how many parents can't even don't even know that they can go in the classroom and observe their child. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they said, we, well, we're not allowed because this is special education. And I'm bringing up laws for them. I said, absolutely not. They cannot deny me this. You know, I've got parents that say, they, they're saying my child has a behavioral problem in this area, but at home he's fine. Well, go and observe him. Right. And they said, I can do that. Absolutely. And again, they don't, they don't want extra extra eyes there right that's an issue right i'm actually not a huge fan of that just because i do believe that i just believe that kids and teachers act differently and i think that you're not going to see what you hope to see but that's just me um of course essa allows for this so um Uh 
you know, you certainly are permitted to do it. But yeah, you're, you know, it's not a terrible thing to want to kind of like partner with your school and believe it's not, it's not a bad thing to believe that what your school is telling you is correct. Um, you know, that's not a bad thing, but a lot of times what they're telling you is not correct or it's just kind of, um, deceit by omission. It's not that they're telling you the wrong thing. It's that they're leaving out some pretty essential details. It's the don't ask, don't tell. Right. Right. And, um, and a lot of parents, again, they're, they're in this little bubble where they think everything is great, it's perfect, and they're really not, you know, doing the max potential for their children at school. They're doing the bare minimum. And I've read over IEPs, and I have just floored at the, you know, the goals that they want for the kids, just in general, what they put in there. It's not, um, it's not a smart IEP. Sometimes they copy and paste from other children's IEPs, so I see those mistakes. And um, again, it's just having our parents well informed is is my main goal. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm actually helping a client right now and I mentioned her in a podcast a few days ago um but her child just turned three so I'm actually like really excited at the prospect of like having this like fresh new three-year-old and being able to you know help mom do it right like literally from day one um but when I read the I when she gave me the draft IEP it literally had the same bullshit pardon my language but it had the same bullshit goals that I protested 12 years ago with my son, you know, because we live in the same county. And I'm like, and I don't, I told her, I said, I don't think it's malicious. I think that they just get into a rut of, we have a disabled three-year-old, so this is the IEP that we give, you know? And it's not that the goals were, I mean, they were measurable and all that. They were smart, but um, they were just not really, well, I shouldn't say they were smart because they really weren't relevant. Um, to this child. And I, and I looked at it and I said, this, okay, I'll agree that this is a skill your child does not have and could be working toward, but is that really a priority for you considering that he also cannot do, you know, A, B, C, and D? You know, do you really need him working on E and F when he still can't do A, B, C, and D? That kind of thing. But like I said, I think they just get into a rut and they don't, you know, they're busy, they're overworked, they have huge caseloads, and so they just, they do do a lot of copying and pasting. A lot of it, yeah. And, you know, for us right now, Monday's a big day. We're doing a rally in Tallahassee for our educators, support staff, parents, and children. Um, our special education unit at our school, they have lost teachers, they have lost parents because of the lack of support. And that's why they are completely overwhelmed. We had a teacher leave because she didn't get administrative support whenever she had behavioral issues in the classroom. And she said, you guys completely turned me away from working in education again. So that's why we're going to see that those repetitive IEP goals for our, our brand new babies coming in. And that's not okay for, for us to sit there and let them. Yeah, you know, we're we're rallying and we want we want change. That's exciting. Change That's yeah. a great segue because I actually was going to ask you. I said, so what? You know, you told me how you're helping 
parents on an individual level, I was going to ask you what's going on in your state to kind of create change at the systems level. That, well, that's one of them, the rally in Tallahassee. Um, again, this is something that's been going on um, since the summer. I had actually brought it up to our principal in November, and I said, are you prepared right now for the lack of teachers that are going to show up on this date? And he was completely clueless <sighs> as to what was going on. Yeah. Um, again, this is a, a man who deemed our special education kids as unpredictable and volatile because he wrote that in an email when I asked about inclusion in the general area. Um, so I know he doesn't really support our teachers. Our teachers are set up. I have actually brought district personnel into our school for a meeting as for parents and teachers to voice their concerns. And they're just tired. They're tired of not having the support from the principal. They're tired of not having the support from the LEA. And they literally want our kids in that classroom 24-7. And that's that's not okay. My son and his class, along with another class, which is approximately 20 students, they're not going to art or music. They have given me every excuse under the sun. No documented data to say this is exactly why they're not going. So we've got a lot of issues going on right right now with that. Um, But they can't even get their lives straight on what to tell me. And again, because I question them because I'm not going to be quiet. They're they're literally coming up with excuse after excuse with no documented data for me. And again, I've gone up to the chain of command, and I'll be going back up to our school board meeting on Tuesday to let them know. I've talked to all our board members, and um, at this point, I'm just talking to whoever's going to listen to me. Oh, good for you. It makes our principal extremely uh, nervous to have me around, and he avoids me at all costs at school. Um, So I said... I'm ready to bring it. You're you're not going to intimidate me. And again, they bring that intimidation factor to parents. Brand new baby parents, that's what they do. They use that intimidation factor. Or they tell them what they want to hear and then, you know, keep them in that safe bubble where they're like, oh no, he told me this. This is what's happening. Well, if all these parents knew that he's calling our three-year-old uh unpredictable and volatile and that's why we can't have our general ed kids you know walk them to class there's an issue yeah it really really is um i'm glad that you did kind of get into a little bit about um teachers and how what's the word i'm looking for just like kind of despondent they've become um i know as working as an advocate that i often people take one thing that I say in isolation and they say, oh, you're anti-teacher, you anti-teachers work really hard. But and, I, and I said, you will never find a bigger public school teacher advocate than me um, because I don't believe that teachers are part of this problem. I believe that they just have not been given the resources that they need to educate our kids. I am pro-teacher. I am there for them. If they have issues, um, they actually come to me 
uh, because they, they don't want to go through administration or they've gone to administration and they just shut them down. I'm also part of our staff committee at school. And so I bring those concerns up. I don't identify teachers. I said, this is what's going on within our special education classrooms. What are you going to do about it? Um, they don't they don't feel supported at all. Uh, we've got parents here in the state of Florida that have two jobs. You know, so so they work with our some sometimes our most difficult children. Mine can be one of them. And they go and they take on a second job to make a living to support their family. Right. That that is absolutely not okay. No, it's not. They, they're bringing in brand new uh, teachers who have just graduated and walking off that stage, and they put them in a classroom with a K through five with varying disabilities. They are overwhelmed, right? And they leave. Okay, they don't want to retain our senior teachers by providing that support. Again. It's a, it's a revolving door. It's honestly a revolving door. Teachers leaving for a different county because they pay more. They provide a little bit more support. Yeah. And here we are with revolving substitute teachers coming in. Some of them not even certified. Yeah. You know, these people can't follow an IEP. They're not. They don't know how, how to handle an IEP, how to handle data, or handle behaviors. So, of course, they're not going to come back. Right. I am. So um, I'm actually pro teacher, pro parent, support <laughs> staff, everyone. I um. I don't know if this is. I know. I know that adults or college students being interested in teaching. I know that the national trend is that the interest in teaching is declining. But I was actually preparing. Um, I spoke at a school board meeting a couple of months ago, and I was gathering my data. And from our own, the Pennsylvania Department of Education. A decade ago, our state was certifying about 17,000 teachers a year. And now in 2016-17, that number is down to 4,400. Wow. So we are, and, I, and I'm, you know, again, Pencil, I don't know, Pennsylvania has about 12 million people, so I don't know if it's com how comparable it is to Florida. Um, but there's a tsunami coming, you know? I mean, there's a tsunami coming because it was like an 80% or 76% drop in certifications. So, you know, when people start retiring, this is going to hit and it's going to hit hard. Um, and we've got to start supporting our teachers or, you know, we see what's happening. People don't, they're being talked out of the profession. Why would you go into it? Why would you go into such a profession, you know? Absolutely. We, we've actually um, have teaching students that are not allowed to specifically go into our special education classroom because they fear that that, that looking at the whole picture, they're going to get turned off by it. Oh, my gosh. And in fact, we do have some people that are interested in going into special education. And again, they absolutely block them from entering their classroom, from seeing what the reality is with our kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, when you throw in a brand new baby teacher into this classroom, these teachers are 21, 22 years old. They think they know what they, they do. Administration just talks them up a big game. They come in overwhelmed to the max. Right. And they, we've had so, I've had so many parents contact me 
we've got fun every day. What am I going to do? My child is struggling. And they moved their kids to a different school. Yeah. So it is, I see it, and it, it's so difficult. It's so difficult to watch because those good teachers that are in it for the right reason, they're just they're getting burned out. Well, and, and you're right. They're in it for the right reasons. And I often remind parents of that when, when their disagreement is with the teacher or they are working with a difficult teacher. I say, you know, for a moment, put yourself in their shoes in that they've gone into a tremendous amount of student debt in most cases. At least in Pennsylvania, you can only teach for so many years before you have to get a master's degree. So that means more, stu- more student debt. So you've invested all this money because you want to help disabled children. You get a job and you're not given the resources to do that job. And you wake up one day and you're like, oh, crap. I am like tens of thousands of dollars into debt. And now, you know, I'm 30 years old and I'm not qualified to do anything else. You know, what else? You know, you have a teaching degree and and a master's. What? What else do you do? And I can only imagine how what that feels like, you know, to wake up at 30 or 32 and now you have a kid or two, student debt, and this job that is, like you said, they're not supported by administration, they're not given the resources to do their job, and yet at the same time, like, what are you going to do? You can't go just become a grocery clerk, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a large problem. If I think about it too much, I just want to, like, crawl back in bed. Um, you know if we get too much into it i'm like ah i can't deal with this it is stressful it is stressful because i do care about you know my my child's educational team and again he is not going to be the first child that goes through that school um and if we don't do anything i tell our parents if you do not stand up for your teachers do not come crying the next day when the teacher said i'm done and leave yeah. Where are you? Like, you are a big part of of the picture. Speak up for them. You know, there's a lot of um, a lot of teachers that just are done with administration because they just don't get anywhere, and because it's a buddy system, and so and so knows whoever, they get away with whatever they want to. And the fact that I bring a lot of attention especially from very vocal school board members to our principal, intimidates him immensely. So, um, but I tell people, you cannot be afraid to speak up for your child because nobody else is going to. Right. Right. Teachers are afraid to, they, you know, and, and they're not just even necessarily afraid to, it's that they know that it's futile. They're not going to ask you know, you, you don't just keep asking for things you know you're not ever going to get. You know, you, you just, why would you keep asking for them if they say no every single time? Um, and, you know, with this, with this rally that's going on on Monday, I, I, I asked everyone, are you going? And they said, we are going. And it's difficult for us to go because it feels like we're punishing our kids. And I, I absolutely told them, you are not punishing them. You have to let your parents know. Right. You have to let them know that. You need help as a teacher, as a support staff, because if you don't get that help, you're going to leave, and then you have questionable people popping into these classrooms, and then you end up on the news. Yep. So. Okay. Well, listen, thanks for chatting with me. Good luck in Tallahassee. Are there any final words you want to say before we sign off? You know, 
your parents, just don't give up. Um, the emotions, they're always going to be there. Tag team with parents, with ch children that are older, because they've already been down the path that you're going through. And just fight. Do not give up. Your child will thank you. And best of luck. Okay. Yes. Rest. Don't quit, but just rest if you yeah. need it. So, okay. Well, thanks so much for listening folks, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Don't IEP Alone podcast. No parent should have to IEP alone. And with a day in our shoes, you don't have to. For more IEP assistance and letter templates, visit adayinourshoes.com. For ongoing assistance and support, follow our Facebook page and group. Wait.